The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, welcome to Summit Church. I'm so glad that you chose to join us today. I know that there's so much going on in our world and there's so much going on in your life. We believe that prayer unlocks the power of God. So if you would, would you please let us know how we can pray for you? Summitonline.tv forward slash prayer. That allows us to know what's going on in your life and the life of others. And we can then step into that gap and allow the Lord of the universe to intercede on your behalf, to walk with you through whatever it is that you might be journeying through. We want to pray for you. We are with you. We are one church. We're one body. Online, not online, in person, whatever. We are here for you. So let us know how we can pray. Today, we jump back in to the Gospel of Luke. We're in the first full week of this new year, 2022. And there's really just one simple question that we are going to unpack today. And it's a question that I believe uh, depends on how long you've been in the church as to how much it matters to you. For those who are brand new, I want you to know you're safe. This is a good place for you to learn and grow. For those who have maybe been in the church for a huge portion of their life, this one may hit a little closer to home. But the the question is this, who's on the team? Who are we friends with? Who do we unite with? Who do we lock arms with? Who's on the team? Jesus is going to answer that question so clearly today. And we're only looking at two verses. It's a very short passage. But Jesus is going to answer that question so clearly that I think it will help us unpack who's on the team. Who's part of this mission? Who are we journeying with? Who are we walking with? Who do we want to be engaged with in our lives. Here's the passage. Once again, just two verses, two simple verses, Luke 9, 49 and 50. It says this, Master, said John. Hey, hey, Jesus, I have a question. We saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried, we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. He's not one of your followers. He's not one of the 12. He's not one of the people that we know, but he was driving out demons. He he was doing this. And we tried to stop him for you. And Jesus says, don't stop him. For whoever is not against you is for you. Don't stop him. Don't stop him because whoever isn't working against you is actually on your team. There's a couple things to know here. First of all, this person, whoever he is, is successful in driving out demons. Now, this is huge, huge, because there's only two possible ways that you can do this. There's only two ways that you can cast out demons. One is through the power of God, and the second is through the power of Satan. Okay, so you either have the power of God or the power of Satan. And I think that's where John is coming from. He's like, hey, I've seen people do this, and they're, they're not on our team. And so we tried to stop him. And Jesus goes, no, you got to check. You got to check how they're doing this. You got to check the why. You got to check the power. So there's only two ways you can do this. 
And the disciples themselves had actually had power casting out, or had trouble casting out demons. They, they had tried to do so in their own power, you know, with some words they learned from Jesus. They tried to emulate him. And Jesus comes back down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And he says, uh, you couldn't do this because this particular kind of demon, it only comes out with prayer. It only comes out because of the power of God. And if you're not connected to that power source, you're not going to be able to do this. And so apparently, this person that John is so worried about, he has connection to that power source. And therefore, Jesus says, hey, hey, this person has put their faith and their trust in God. He's part of the team. Now, up until this point, we don't know what happens next. But up until this point, this person has not decided to follow Jesus, meaning, meaning simply this, he has not put himself in the companionship of Jesus' disciples, his closest followers. He's out there believing in the power of God, using the power of God to do great things, but he's not one of the fold. He's not in the inner circle. And Jesus says, that's cool. I accept this person. I do. He's driving out demons in my name. Now, I want us to be clear. Jesus does draw lines in the sand. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, there's another passage that sounds exactly like this one, but it's completely different. Matthew 12, verse 30. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. So this person... Whoever is casting out these demons successfully, that Jesus says, let them be. This person has not chosen to gather with Jesus, hasn't chosen to be a part of his band of loyal followers. But he's doing so with the right motive. He's doing so with the power of God. So Jesus says, let him be. He's working for us. He's working with us. That passage in Matthew chapter 12 It's Jesus talking to the Pharisees, the religious elite. He's saying, these people divide us. They divide the body. They divide the church. They cannot be apart. They do so because they don't believe in the same doctrines and the same teachings that I am trying to bring into this new world. I'm trying to get you to understand this. And they're against us, so therefore they are not with us. Jesus is saying, I don't want to associate with fakes. The Pharisees, they're fake. They're doing what they do because they want the recognition. They want the praise. They want the power. But this man, this man in Luke chapter 9, he's just doing the work of God. So Jesus makes it clear that those who are just faking it, that it's not going to work for them. And we actually see this. We see that those who just want to claim to be exorcists, it's not going to go well for them. In Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 16, it says this. It says, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those whom were demon-possessed. So they were trying to get the bigger name out there. They were saying, hey, uh, I'm going to use the name of Jesus, even though I don't know him, I don't follow him. They would say, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. 
And here's what happened to them, verse 14. There were seven of them, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest. That's who was doing this. They were part of the religious elite, but they didn't understand Jesus. They were just using his name to look good in the community and especially look good in front of this demon-possessed person. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know him. I know him very well. And Paul, I know about. I've even heard about Paul. But who are you? Who are you, the seven sons of Sceva? Then the, man, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, seven on one. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, when I heard this story for the first time in Bible college, I hadn't read it before. When I heard it in Bible college, I was too immature to possibly hear that and not chuckle. And now, even in my 40s, I can't picture this and not laugh a little bit. They thought they were so cool. They thought they had all the answers. They were making a name for themselves as exorcists. And then they come up upon a true demon who says, I know Jesus. I've heard of Paul. I don't have a clue who you are. And then that demon, through the man, proceeds to beat them mercilessly, rip off their clothes, and they are forced to run out of the house naked. Now, I share that story, just one, to test your maturity, but two, to ask ourselves this. If the man that John was so concerned about for casting out demons was a fraud, then he wouldn't have been successful. These seven sons were not successful because they were playing for the wrong team. But that's why Jesus says, hey, this guy, he's on our team. He is not masquerading as an apostle. He's not trying to make a name for himself. He's doing the work of the kingdom. Because if he was, if he was masquerading, that too would come out. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14. Such people, those who just want to masquerade, uh, they're false apostles. They're deceitful workers. They're masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, no wonder they would do that. No wonder they would try to deceive because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan believes that he's good. He, he should be equal to God. But he's not, and he can't ever be. And so those who are trying to align themselves for their own good. They're not part of the team, but for this man, for whatever reason, his heart was right. His heart was good. He's doing the work of the Lord, and Jesus says, let him do it. John is concerned because this person's not one of them. This person's not known to him. He's an outlier, He's not a foreigner by nationality, but he's a foreigner to the cause. And John's going, we, sh we should have shut him down. And Jesus says, no, no. Jesus' answer is so very clear. If he's not against us, he's for us. Now, I, I want to say this again. For many, for many, you feel like this is unnecessary. This is an unnecessary message. You, you don't... I want to ostracize anyone or put anyone else out. But I think there's a great lesson here. I think there's a wonderful lesson here for many of us. 
And the longer you've been in church, the more I think you need to hear this message. And here's the central point. Here's the central point of this message. The church is all one team. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us. It's all one team. The church was created by God to be the bride of Jesus. The church is sustained by the Holy Spirit. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles. We read that in Ephesians. The church is ministered to by the royal priesthood, all the brothers and sisters who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. The church has many traditions, none more important than their sacraments of baptism and communion, things we cannot forsake, things that we must do together on a regular basis. And the church is not a building on the corner. It's not what the church is. For many of us, we have compartmentalized the church in such a way. It's a building, it's a structure, it's a sign that this is where we go, this is what we do on Sunday mornings, but that's not what the church is. It functions in a much, much different way. And John, he just wasn't happy that a guy from down the street wanted to tag on to the name of Jesus. Hey, you're not part of my crew you're not part of my gathering. You're, you're not part of my church. So you can't be with me. And Jesus goes, of course he's with me. Yes, yes, he exists down the road, but of course he is with me. He's part of the team. Many of you already know this, but I, I was raised for the first 12 years of my life as a Catholic and so I took First Communion, First Confession. I, I went through all the classes. I, I did all the things I was supposed to do. And then at about 14, I was invited to a non-denominational church that I liked a whole lot more. And there I heard the gospel presented in a way I'd never heard before. I gave my life to Christ, went to Bible college, went into full-time ministry, all of this. But um, my Catholic roots, they're still there. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've had someone, in total ignorance, come up and ask me, um, so are Catholics Christians? Just point blank ask. I, I'm just curious. Like, I hear about this. Are, are they Christians? And in my soul, I just want to be like, how ignorant. Of course they're Christians. Of course they're part of the team. It's a denomination, and yes, there's a lot of tradition, and there's a lot of hoops to jump through, and, and I chose to separate myself, but of course they're part of the team. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's that ignorance that, that just it, it confounds me, because then I came to a non-denominational church, an independent Christian church. That's where I was baptized. That's where I came to know the Lord. But then I, I started to realize something very scary my Catholic brothers and sisters were far more inclusive than my non-denominational Christian brothers and sisters. You had to be this way to be a part of the team. If you had any of this in your background or any of this in your, in your life, then you couldn't be a part. And I, I, I almost started to believe that until Summit came along and we're part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is a denomination, and it has some things that I don't necessarily agree with, but here's the reality. It says this, 
We're all on the same team. And you remember when I said the longer you've been in church, the more this is probably going to resonate. For some of you, you're sitting here going, why are you getting so passionate about this? This makes no sense to me. I commend you. But for others, there's this division amongst Christians. If you don't believe the way that I believe, if you don't practice worship the way that I worship, if you don't do this, then then we're not in this together, and that's simply not true. And that's the message that Jesus is trying to get John to understand. You're upset because you don't know this guy, but you don't have to know this guy to see that what he's doing is good. He's part of the team. And I'm sick. I'm sick of how the church has been defined for so long about what it's against. Even amongst itself. We can't be like that. If we're going to fulfill the mission that God has put before us, we need to be in it together. I've heard many people say, I don't go to this church or that church because doctrinally they just don't line up with me. Now, that may or may not be good. I I really don't know where I stand on that. But here's what I know for fact. You may not have to go to that church, but you better realize that that church is part of your team. There are only a few reasons why a church would not be part of the team. And that's why we at Summit, we have essential beliefs. These These are things that are foundational. If these change, then you're no longer Christian. If you're Christian, you're part of the team. But if, if any of these things change, then you're no longer part of the team. It's who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what Scripture says, and the fact that it is the inspired Word of God. It's the fact that people are sinful and in need of a Savior, and it's the fact that there is an eternity coming for all of us, and that eternity will either be spent with God in heaven forever or separated from Him in a place we call hell. Those are the essentials. Now, we have a ton of other doctrinal beliefs, but those are all non-essentials. We can still be friends. We can still be on the same team if you have a differing view about how women are supposed to function within the church. Maybe you do, maybe you don't agree with what I believe regarding that subject, but we're still on the same team. Jesus says, and I think this is so important, Don't stop that guy. John, you're passionate right now and you feel like you're right, but don't stop him. For whoever is not against you is for you. We need to be one team. We may not look identical in how we do things and how we associate with one another. We may not look identical with how we do ministry within the world, but we do need to agree that we are on the same team. We may not all gather in the same place, but we all have the same mission. We need to know that. We need to believe that. The church, the big C church, 
The Christians of this world need to be known for what they are for, not what they are against. We've been talking about this for years now, but I think we need to hear it again and again and again. For far too long, the church has been known for what it's against. That cannot be. The church needs to be seen as united, not divided. How many people do you know that are like, I don't want anything to do with Jesus because the church is just a mess? Huh? How terrible is that? How terrible is that? Because the church is a mess because of people, not because of Jesus. And Jesus is who everyone needs. There's a world out there that desperately needs Jesus. And Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, has assigned the church the task of taking the good news of God to that world, to those people. And that needs to be done by a group of people who are not bickering over minor disagreements, but instead who are uniting over a central cause. And that cause is the glory of God. That cause is the furtherment of the kingdom. So I ask you a couple questions. How can we as a church, and I know I'm the pastor, but I'm just, how can we as a church better change our community by working with other churches. Uh, On Thursday, we are going to meet with two other local churches, one from Tulsa, one from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma Community Church, Redeemer Covenant Church. We're going to meet with them because we're friends and and we're going to talk and we're going to pray and we're going to worship together and that's going to be beautiful and good. And, And that's a start, but there's so many more Christians out there. How can we better change our community? I would invite you to Pray for that, that churches would unite. Is there anyone personally you need to reach out to to try to understand why they believe the way they do and let them know that you're on their team, that you're with them? Is is there someone out there that, that has always had just some different views from you regarding God or regarding the church and, and now it's time for you to see them not as an enemy or a dissenter, but as someone who is part of the family, who's part of the team. How can you be for people and the mission of Jesus in your life this week? How can you do that? God is for you. God is for people. So we should be for people. How can you do that this week? And then finally, just who of you watching today needs to hear this one more time? This, is, this will be the third or fourth time you've heard it. Whoever is not against you is for you. They're part of the team. Church, it is time for us as individuals to make sure that we are working as a team to bring about the kingdom of God, the things of God, and the truth of God into a world that desperately needs to see unity and not division. John was appalled that this obscure person from the outside who was doing good stuff for the kingdom of God would possibly be doing what they were doing. And Jesus stopped him dead in his tracks and said, let that guy go. He's not against us. So he's for us. We're 
all part of the team. Father, help us to understand our place and our position on the team. Help us to understand how important unity is through your spirit. I pray that you would unleash your Holy Spirit upon our communities and that the churches of this community would rise up, the Christians would rise up in your name to bring about beautiful, beautiful transformation through your gospel, through the good news of you, Jesus Christ. We love you. We need you. We want you to come and lead your bride, the church, into the future, into those things that you have prepared for us. We thank you for what you're going to do, and we give you all the glory. It's here and we pray.